Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show are Greg and Val of F45 Morgan Heights, coming to you from Surrey, BC, Canada. Guys, how are you today? What's going on? Uh, good, thanks. Good. We're good. How are you? I'm doing incredibly well. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to to pick your brain and, and see what sort of wisdom and, and lessons we can extract when it comes to running this business. Um, but before we dive in, I'm a big believer in context and, and sort of looking back to analyze how we got here in the first place. And so for the two of you guys, take us back to the time when you thought, hey, I'm going to open up my own facility. What was going on for you guys? When was it? And what inspired the, the franchise route to go F45? So basically, um, I'm from Brazil. So I'm a, I'm a physiotherapist and I've moved here in 2007 uh, to Canada. And then I married Greg and uh, he's a realtor. So he, he has a lot of knowledge into like real estate and like commercial space and all that stuff. Um, so after we had the kids, we have a five and a seven, uh, I've decided that I wanted to be more with the kids and I couldn't work in the hospital and I've always wanted my own business. Uh, so pretty much I asked Greg, I said, I want my own business. Like, what can we do? And he said, let's look into something that you really love, uh, that you really are passionate about. Um, and I was like, okay, let's open like a pizza joint or something like that. And he was like, no. Uh, you know, and it should be something you really, really love. And I've always been into fitness. Um, I swam competitively for, for my state and I've always done like bikini competitions, bodybuilding, all that stuff. So I started researching and I was kind of like, okay, let me see what's, what pops up on Google. Mm. And this F45 kept popping up all the time. And I'm like, oh, what is this about? And, you know, it comes from Australia, right? The F45. So it started in Australia. And then I start researching and seeing how functional it is. Mark Wahlberg is one of the biggest partners uh, of F45. And then I saw, oh, okay, like they're going to the States and they have some in Canada. And then I passed to Greg and I said, hey, look, like this, this F45 looks amazing. He started doing his research and that's pretty much how we got into a common ground. Or like, okay, let's, let's try to open this F45. Yeah. And so Greg, when you guys were looking for a place to do this obviously Elise sort of falls within your wheelhouse what were you guys what were some non-negotiables and things that you were looking for in a viable commercial space um location definitely where we are um location was a huge thing i, I looked into a lot like we're kind of limited where we are and the way the the um boundaries were with f45 it was very limited in our area hmm. but we have the population growth to accommodate a few studios uh, or a couple okay. of studios but the the boundaries didn't make a lot of sense in our area so i'm a very big obviously i'm in i'm in real estate so i'm a big proponent location 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 True. It just that's just you know it's a very simple process but that's how it works and mm -hmm. um, especially in fitness too Fitness, definitely, yeah, and we we do have another studio near us, close. Um, but it, 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 yeah, the way are their boundaries were were very difficult to find other commercial. There was a bunch of other people who tried to come in our areas, couldn't get the space, couldn't get it. And anyways, we had a big 
uh, a brand new building that's absolutely perfect for what F45 does. A lot in the States, the big strip malls and stuff, we don't have that as much in Canada, but the big strip malls is exactly what you want an F45 or something like that in or, or sure. a franchise studio or any sort of franchise. Yep. And it's very visible, very located. Uh, um, location is fantastic, but it was kind of close to the other one. Uh, anyways, we went back and forth a few times with F45 about it, eventually got it approved. However, this building has been in the process of being built for the last four or five years, and it was supposed to be completed two two to three years ago. Uh, obviously, with COVID, things got even slower. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we went into it. Um, we ended up getting the space in it. We ended up a second floor plant on a second floor in the building, which wasn't ideal. Then the landlord knew we wanted something on the first floor. They were able to kind of um, change the whole uh, architect plans and actually build, give us more space on the ground floor and break into another space that had to go back to the city to get all approved and stuff. Um, long story short, it's funny when we went to get approval for the space, just double check everything at the, at the, um, at the city, it wasn't approved for a fitness facility. Oh, right? no. <laughs> so we were ready to sign the papers and oh, we're no. like, oh, damn. So anyways, the reason being is the owner of the, and the landlord of this building, it's a high-end office retail building. He did not want, originally did not want a gym into this building. He yeah. didn't want yeah. the trans music, dropping weights. Yeah, yeah he help. didn't want the, and he didn't want, the main thing was, however, he didn't want the transient traffic in and out, in and out, in and out all day Understood. long, right? So there's, you know, there's medical offices in the building, there's finance, there's a daycare, they have a couple restaurants, barbershop on the ground floor, a grocery store, all this. And then, so anyways, we did a big conference call with him and explained to him um, what, I, I know him in the area and stuff. He's a huge uh, commercial developer. And we did a big conference call with him and explained to him what F45 was all about and why we feel it should have been included in the building. Anyways, he, we, he, we explained to him, it's a high-end fitness brand. This isn't just a regular gym. You're going to be sure. in and out, in and out. And it it's a totally different clientele than what you thought a normal gym would be, what you didn't want to have. Sure. So we did a big conference call with us. Right in the middle of the conference, he's like, guys, you know what? I'm going to rezone the entire building for you um, on my dime, on my watch. It's going to take some time. But if you can hang on and go back to F45 and explain to him that we will rezone this. So we we're going to get it done. So anyways, went back to the city nine to 10 months later, we got it rezoned. Okay. But in the meantime, COVID hit in March. So this is January. <laughs> this is oh. January, right? So he yeah. went back yeah. to the city to get it rezoned. But in the meantime, COVID came. So we got F45. Like, what are you going to do? We want you, you know, want, well, I can't sign off on something. Yeah, you guys can't even operate, right? You can't operate right now. Everything was shut down, everything. So anyways, we finally got it rezoned. I think it was December of 20, um, 2020. 2020. Yeah, 2020. They rezoned the building for us. Um, and then we basically said, F45 is like, what are you going to do? Are you going to cancel this? I wanted to renegotiate the, the contract because of COVID, because of this, that. The building was delayed a lot more, uh, a lot longer than it should have been. Mm -hmm. And anyways, we just said, screw it. We were like, screw it. Let's just sign off. If we don't do it, someone else is going to take it. And uh, funny enough, if we had canceled our contract, there was about three people waiting to take wow. our territory. Uh, no and shortage, that's for sure. So anyways, we just said, we, we said, let's go ahead. Let's just do it. And basically had to pay franchise fees for well over a year, which wasn't fun. 
<laughs> started paying rent when we weren't even in the building. Yeah. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, we finally, then we got delayed a few things. At the end of the day, we finally opened up about five weeks ago. And, you know, we just looked at it on a, hey, uh, on a business. We just looked at it, basically said, you know what? At the end of the day, if we got to work for a few months extra for free, yeah, you know, this is far longer term. We're looking at, because we look at this as a bigger thing in our area. We look at this yeah. as a much bigger plan, what we want to do. So we just said, screw it, let's do it. And, you know, we got to work for a few extra months and pay some stuff back and so be it. Yeah. Well, Greg, you're really selling people listening to this on the idea of starting their own <laughs> business. Uh, but yeah. I, I think anybody that's spent time in entrepreneurship, not even just within fitness, but in general knows that something unexpected can happen it's going to and so oh, yeah. here, one way or another you guys are here and doors are open we're able to operate now yeah. talk to us a little bit about some some membership numbers obviously you guys said we paid franchise fees we paid rent i would assume the goal is to make that money back at some point and so talk to us about where your membership numbers are in comparison to where they ultimately can be. Are we full? Yeah. Do we have room for growth? How does that look? Oh yeah, we definitely got room for growth for sure. Um, I'll talk about it because I'm doing more of the operations side of it. Sure. But so quick, one quick thing is we actually started, we thought our building would be open in November of last year, 2021. So we started our pre-marketing campaign, which is supposed to be done three months prior to us opening. We started in August. So it ended in November and then we got delayed by the building, delayed by the building. And then we had delays on our contractors. Very unexpected things happened. And basically we were we didn't open up until April. <laughs> so that there's kinda, even more layers to this than you let on. There's a lot of layers. I, I could go on for an hour and Oof. keep talking about, but I won't. Yeah. Yeah. The hell out of you. But bottom line is our marketing is supposed to kick in. So we had a ton of people sign up, but you know, we're still working on getting a bunch of people in, but so far um, we're about five weeks in, we got about a hundred and I think it's 20, 25 that are coming to the studio right now, a little over a hundred on full-time contracts, full-time memberships. Those other 25 are just some, uh, passes, some passes, stuff, yeah, sure. some summer stuff that we're doing that, um, we have basically anybody that's trying out our gym right now, we have uh, about a 95, more like 98% sign up. Mm -hmm. So anyone who's trying it out, we got, you know, literally about a 90, 98% sign up membership. I'll go, yeah. That goes on a lot of, everyone's loving it that yeah. comes in and tries it out. Um, we got a bunch of other stuff we're working on, but we, you know, we, ideally, I think we want to get a little over 300, three, three fifties are max. Okay. So about room to double ish. Yeah. As far more as that marketing, I want to, I want to expand a little bit more on that. What are, what platforms, what are we doing? How are we getting people interested? We, we, uh, so as Greg mentioned, like we did the marketing, the pre-marketing. So we got a lot of leads. So we had to be on the phone and like contacting everybody. Uh, so they're called like the foundation members. It's the people that they actually paid prior to us opening. Right, uh, right, so right. they actually got a better deal, a better membership. Um, and so and then, those people found you from, from Facebook, from Instagram. Is that Facebook, where we're putting Instagram. our marketing dollars? Yeah, yeah. We we have a F forty five had a um, a company that does three months marketing yeah. that we pay for part of our franchise agreements that they did, and a lot of those people came through that. A lot of the people came through us in the community. So we we got a, a decent contact list so far. 
that we sign a lot of people up through that. And then we just keep working those same people um, as well. And, you know, we're on the phones at least, you should be on the phones at least a couple hours a day right sure. now, sure. if not more. Yeah. Um, we have a company that we just hired um, about three weeks ago uh, that knows the ins and outs of F45, like the back of their hand. They've owned some of the first original and they've kind of um, dissected how an f45 should run on a business yeah, standpoint which is, guidelines right exactly so we're paying we're, we just signed them up um i don't want to wait you know we could do our own thing At the end of the day i'm a big believer just with past um business experience that marketing is the way to go and it's it, it got us to where we are right now and it's actually been we've been basically going for about two weeks with this company and i'm almost paid what i owe them in two months right now so we're almost covered our expenses already. Yeah. So ROI is shown to be pretty good at least. Yeah. The ROI so has been great. We're, we're signing people up. We're, we're growing our membership. Take us to sort of the next step in the process. Obviously both of you guys know leads are wonderful. Everyone that I speak to would be happy to have more leads, but at a certain point, those people need to transition to paying clients. And so walk us through, what a typical sales process would be like. We get a lead in from whatever source, Facebook ad, Instagram ad, whatever it is. What happens between that moment and someone signing up? So usually like if we get a lead, right? Like we do also, we do flyers, we walk around, like we do a lot of like that marketing ourselves. And my coaches are also being trained by us to kind of go around and introduce themselves to the phone calls. So as soon as we get a lead from Facebook, from whatever, like sometimes we get a phone call, right? Um, we just literally explain to them because the first question usually is like, how much, right? Like they want to know how much and mm -hmm. F45 is expensive. It's not like a normal regular gym. So the first thing for us is to explain the, the value of the F45 and why it's worth paying that price, right? Because if I just go and just tell them the price, they're like, whoa, like that's too much. But then they don't know the value of it. So me and Greg and all my coaches were really like into like, have you ever done an F45? So we start a very cool conversation, very casual. We don't try to sell. We're Is this really on like the phone? On the phone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Phone. Okay. Yeah. So we usually try to just be like very chill and not put like that pressure on the person. Uh, so before we say, we always go, you know what? Uh, I can tell all about the price, but you know, have you ever done an F45 before? Do you know about F45? And then we just go over everything the f45 has to offer before we actually go over the price and and that usually helps quite a bit so to show the value of what it is i i actually believe that for i believe we're undervalued to be honest with you, even though it's it's more of an expensive monthly membership i believe it's undervalued for what it actually is when yeah. you start learning about it and versus say paying a personal trainer mm -hmm. that was going to be my point is like it's only yeah. expensive if you think it's expensive the people yeah, that you're talking to might not blink at it at all yeah. And I think the more we explain the value, the more people start, and even our members now, every day we're, we're showing them something different. We're telling them about this. We're showing them how the, the, how the programs are all complement one another, how they're designed every month by our athletics team. There's a reason, there's a bunch of science and biometrics behind it all. Um, right. And they, once they start seeing the value, they, they start even going, damn, this is like, that's not bad for the, and price. then they see the results and yeah. stuff, but we also have like, going back to your point, we got like a full CRM system mm -hmm. that we have. 
Um, I'm big into that sort of, you have to have it. I mean, oh, it has to be organized. Yeah. And so we got this cool, the CRM with a bunch of auto text, auto emails, like for mm -hmm. our members that just show value. So mm -hmm. when they sign up or we sign them up, boom, a nice, a good email goes out explaining a lot of things. We have member retention emails, things yeah. like that, member retention text. But I think a, a lot of things that's working for us right now too, and um, is me and Valor, we reach out to our members personally, like as the owners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, at, we're the owners. We're there. We're at the studio. It makes a huge difference. So I'm literally walking into the studio, going to do my workout, or just popping in some days. And people are like, "Oh, you're Greg. Yeah, oh, I talked to you. Talk to. You. I don't. I don't remember yeah. half the time I'm talking." And that means a lot to people. Yeah, yeah. it does. It does. And you're getting. You're becoming friends with a lot of the people there too. So not only are we sending messages with the follow up, the CRMs, and all that, but we are there. We're talking to them, right? And you're just creating that kind of community vibe and feel and, and friends, right? Like yep. I'm, I work out, I work out now with like three, four guys. We have like this one class and they're like, if I don't show up some days, they're like, where the hell you been? <laughs> yeah. They're going to be on where I got, you know what I mean? Right. So like, sure. yeah, we're talking like not even a month into it. They we're talking about going golf and yeah. with them. So that's, that's all part of the relationship yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, because after the sales, like, we really need to think about the retention, right, and how they're going to stay. So I think after we sell, selling is not that hard. Selling at 45 yeah, is not that hard. <laughs> and and it's not really hard because, you know, there is a value. Like, I really, I know it's cliche, but, like, I, I really believe that it works. So, like, I feel like, you know, if I believe that works, then I don't even need to sell. I'm like, yeah. and, and people see it. Like, I even when I talk to people, like, whole like you're really, really passionate about it and and i really am right uh so selling is not that bad but it's just like keeping the, the the members right and then that's what greg said like here in our area the community is really big so they want to see my face pretty much every day they want to see greg uh you know they i get calls and, and and messages all day they know and they have my phone so my phone rings all day um, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I just got injured, but what do I do? Because I'm a physio. So my physio comes with it. And but it's fun. So that's the, the retention. That's what they like, especially in this area that we are. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, building any small business like this relies on retention. Right. We yeah. could talk all day about the greatest marketing or the best sales process in the world. But if we're bringing new people in consistently, but old people are walking out the back door just as quick. We're going to be stuck on this hamster wheel forever. Retention is everything, especially exactly. in fitness, especially yeah. in fitness. Exactly. We, and I think too, we're, we're learning. We're always open and learning as we go. Like I, um, this company that we're working with right now, this marketing company, it's not just a marketing company, but it's also as we get into it more and more and continue on, they teach us how to basically the blueprint, how to run an F45 as a business. Okay. And not only that, but they're going to teach you, they teach us uh, in a couple months after we do a bunch of sales, they get into a retention portion portion of it where they will teach us how to retain the members, what we need to do, fun things. Like we're already doing some stuff, you know, with our members, like next week I have, you know, throw out an example. I got a client event that I'm doing with real estate. I'm taking a bunch of clients down to a baseball game. Hmm. Right. So I got, we got some extra tickets. So what I'm going to do to the, some of the members, I'm going to bust, send off a message later this week and just say, Hey, you guys, I'm, you know, just kind of offer some free tickets to some of our members right now to come down and you know if we get 20 30 of them perfect right but we got yeah, a few extra yeah. tickets and you know i'll just pay for their ticket and they come down and hang out right so yeah and so in the process of building and our whole conversation has been around building this business because we're so early in on it 
in the process of building this business, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for you guys or the biggest sort of roadblock? That's a, that's a, that's a good question because you know what? I always think so positively about F45 and where the business is going because it's growing so fast. Like we're pretty much like breaking even right now. Um, so I don't really think about like, you know, something that could go wrong or something like, I always think like, there's so room to grow. And I feel like if we're the best team, I try my quotes to be the best team. We try to give the best customer service we can. Uh, and I think if we keep going like this, I think we will be successful. Yeah. yeah we just, we, you know, there's always sort of just to stay the course at this point. Exactly. Then, right? Stay the course. Like um, I'd say roadblocks are just don't kind of quit what you're doing in a way I would say always continue that one thing I learned through my business in real estate over the years it's really easy to get complacent and expect people to call you you know what I mean and, and, and it's really easy to just hey I got a bunch of members we're making money and then just for them to expect to give you referrals expect for them to talk to yeah, they don't friends about you. they don't they don't people don't even in real estate I've like I've had some of my best clients and all of a sudden they're like their daughter goes and buys I'm like, why don't you guys give me a call oh, we didn't even think about you they just go oh we figured you're doing well enough and I'm like yeah man. well you always do better yeah exactly so I'm like you don't I think the main thing is just to keep always giving them that experience right like yeah. what it is we do to start and continue on with it and not get too complacent with it mm -hmm. and I've learned that in real estate I would think it's it's I'm Gonna, I'm not too complacent with this business a little bit more because this business is a little easier to say, hey, I'm in good shape six months. We're yeah. really trying well, to- sort of ignited that fire again for you, it sounds like. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's really important to promote, like we're really promoting how the F45 changes your lifestyle. Like we're doing a bunch of different things with nutrition mm -hmm. and other things and partnering with other people in the area and stuff as well in the community and we got some cool things like we're, we want to do like there's a thing called prodigy with f45 that's dedicated to workouts for 11 to 18 year olds right we're going to be opening that up um and getting our yeah. kids into sport like i played a lot of sports growing up and yeah. this is i don't think there's a to be honest i don't think there's a better workout program out there that can make your performance better in any sports than this f45 yeah. what's happening just the way it is sure. and so right? plenty of ways to now help additional people but if we're to look at it from a business sense, plenty of ways to make additional money too, right? We need to sort yeah. of keep both sides of this in check. Yeah. And, and so let me sort of start to wrap things up and ask you guys this. This is new. We're growing. We're doing well right now. Big picture this with me for a minute. What's sort of the, the longer term vision here? You want well, to we, <laughs> we are in the process of like opening a new one in a different area. So that's always what I wanted. I wanted to have a couple, maybe two, three uh, at 45. So we're going to be potentially opening one in a year or so. I would just need to get this one running and like really nice and get the 300 members that we need, 300, you know, 350. And then we're going to be opening a new one. So for the future, for sure, we're going to be owning two or three at 45s. I, I, I think though the, the main thing what we're looking to do, especially in our community, um, is really be that go-to kind of um, fitness facility that is dedicated for not just kids in our area, for high-performing athletes, because we got a lot of good sports teams in our area. Mm -hmm. They're really, like we've had over the years, it's always been a top 
spot in Canada for sports for our, our guys, but really be like that go-to brand and go-to uh, company where say the top, the junior A hockey players, the top baseball, the little league football players, they're coming in as a team, like as a team group and they're doing their two days a week working out with us to get better. The people in our area, like just walking around, they just, you know, the community feeling of how people feel and stuff after you do this and just kind of create an awareness brand in our area where, hey, we work with this company. We got, we deal with the restaurants. We don't want you to not feel like you can't have a cheeseburger and go pig out and stuff but come back and then it's a fun workout the next day and everybody can have a good time together right but mm -hmm. still be in really good shape don't feel like you're always on that thing and that's what that's cool about this i think it's just more of a community atmosphere so that we're trying to incorporate in the schools and um and, and you know especially with kids and stuff too we got young kids so i really like my kids already they're not working out they're five and seven but they go around and goof around all the time in there right and I just really see a, a we we have a big vision with it about what we can do in the community for not just sports, but just for the the, the people, the overall well-being and, and style. And that's what F45 kind of uh, the end of the day. That's their the whole backing. That's why it's become so successful, right? So yeah. and we're not so, trying to break we're not trying to break the hamster wheel. We just you know what I mean. You just try not to break the wheel. Just keep following it, and that's what we're looking to do. Yeah, right? and, and so a solid start, but it sounds like plenty of work still to come, right? We still have a whole lot of untapped opportunity. And, and so guys, that's a perfect place to start to wrap things up. Before we get out of here, tell us a little bit about where people can find a little bit more about your specific club. Is there social media? Is there a website? Where can people go? Yeah, just type in F45 Morgan Heights. Um, you can find us on our Instagram, our Facebook, <clears throat> F45 Morgan Height or F45training.ca slash Morgan Heights is our website. But all our all our stuff will pop up if you type us in. Um, you know, our direct numbers are on there, right? So you can always reach out and get a hold of myself or Val. Um, yeah, and just type us in. Go Connect there. with Val and Greg on all of those platforms. Guys, I can't thank you enough for your time. I think being willing to to share some insights and some lessons and be a little bit vulnerable at the same time with admitting things that we're still working on is exactly what this industry needs at this time. I'm excited to see how this pans out for you guys moving forward. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thank yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business, health and wellness with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Sambo, Texas, in the Dallas Metroplex area, Julian Sanchez. How are you doing today? Doing great. Happy to be on. 
man, I am pumped. My first official Sambo gym owner interview, and you're doing big things uh, for a niche that I think is super cool personally. So give it to me in your own words. What's Sambo Texas all about? Uh, Sambo Texas is just, you know, mainly a uh, kind of like a uh, starting point to show that it is possible to make a living just doing a Sambo focused gym. And we also are a competitive team as well. So we are a bunch of uh, guys that compete as well for like the coaches. But that's the main thing is just number one, to prove that it can be done and to help inspire, which is the main thing, other coaches, other um, gyms to kind of embrace Sambo and help grow the sport with inside the USA. Awesome, man. This is, there's going to be so many things we're going to cover here, but um, give us a little bit of the background. You've been, you know, in it, training, passionate about it for a long time, but the business concept as it is now kind of gave, got its life that it has around 2017. So what were the primary goals? What did the business plan look like? How were you bringing this to life? Well, the main thing was like, we, we love the sport. Uh, I had trained it as an, as an enthusiast. And then I started to compete at the national level and became actual Sambist. And that was the main thing. It was just uh, a lack of resources inside the area, which to be honest, we had a lot of great players that were international level players. Um, but everybody was kind of um, doing Sambo second and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, understand they're doing other things first, but there was just a market that was, not there and it didn't even come out of a market being we wanted to make money it it was just something that we needed resources to help train fighters to uh train competitors like myself um that didn't have to train uh, go far or fly far we could try to do something in the actual metroplex to help assist people that were interested in sambo and or wanted to compete in sambo and i think that was the main really kind of um uh spark that really lit the fire for the gym was to, Hey, let's make a program. Let's do it right. Let's do everything full Sambo rules. When we train, it's not going to be Sambo one day a month or something like that. Let's try to make Sambo uh, a safe haven here so that athletes from different sports, different, you know, different backgrounds. If they wanted to try Sambo, they could come here and get uh, authentic experience. Fantastic. And you know, a lot of things in business are timing in location so you know when you started this thing back in 2017 economy is going pretty well mixed martial arts in general has a lot of um, a lot more credibility and widespread acceptance than it used to be so that gets exposure to sambo if um depending on the level of of uh viewership and fandom that they have but it's it's definitely not hurt and then location you know being in the dallas metroplex area there's millions of people do you feel like you would have taken the the plunge and done this if you were you know in a more remote area more of a small town and didn't have you know the, the timing and the location that you did to do it or did that factor in a lot i wouldn't say population or or uh where we were at demographics kind of played a part of it, but I will say timing did. Um, I feel like with my personality and number one, just my uh, passion for the sport, we would have pushed either way uh, in remote areas if, if that was the case. But what really helped was the fact that, you know, uh, it 
Sambo had had traction back in the day and it had had a big following through like the wrestling community, but through infighting and that kind of stuff at the um, governing level, it kind of fell off and, and splintered, fractured. But what was the main timing was in uh, and kind of undeniable. And I think that was the biggest thing was the fact that uh, one of the top fires in the UFC to this day, undefeated, now retired and coaching a ton of awesome guys to beat America Madoff, who is a two-time world combat ensemble champion, dominated the division, dominated every style in one of the most stacked divisions in the industry for UFC and in the biggest promotion. And I think at that point, there were, there are people in different communities in the judo community, inside the wrestling community. Uh, and again, I love both those people, but at the same time, they're trying to say, oh, he's just a wrestler, but never really competed in wrestling. And say, oh, he's a judo guy, but he never really did judo. He's cross-trained it, but his, when even on air, whenever they try to kind of contradict that, he had to come out and say, we are combat sambo fighters. And I think that was with him dominating everybody and then him uh, landing that devastating strike because he's not really, a, they don't really consider him a striker, but him knocking down one of the greatest strikers in the industry, Conor McGregor, and then, you know, making him tap. It was just kind of one of those things that's, you know, that kind of happened to BJJ. It was undeniable that Sambo, that combat Sambo is probably the most dominant sport inside the UFC. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely huge. Taking down, uh, and, and I didn't even, um, I kind of, had, you know, since he's been off the radar a little bit, I forgot that, you know, taking down someone like Conor McGregor definitely shines a big, a big spotlight on that, on the combat aspect. So timing was right. You have this thing and you're like, we're going to, we're not going to water it down. We're not going to put it in with other things. We're not just going to be another MMA gym where, you know, this, this thing is an afterthought. So you had your team, you had people that you were training with, but you're making this into a business. So what did you do to start spreading the word to try to get people that will come in and pay, you know, whatever the reasonable rate was that you had in, in mind to come and train and make it a viable business? I think two, uh, well, it's kind of several parts, but the main part is that A, I needed to, number one, myself, have credibility. So I, I, I knew that if I made a USA team, which is kind of, there's no really ranks um, officially yet in Sambo. So it's kind of more like wrestling. You're either a regional, national, Pan-American world level um, medalist or champion, that kind of thing, or you're with a team. So that was my first thing is that if credibility, we needed to kind of, uh, and just from my own goals, I needed to make a team. And it took me several years ended up having a great showing. I would have to fly out every time with inadequate, inadequate training partners and training facilities. Uh, you know, everybody was saying, Hey, just go cross train judo or go cross train this. But I mean, at the, at the, at the real level of it, it's not the sport of Sambo. There are components of it that you can kind of get extra work in, but there's not full Sambo in the area. So my, my first goal was to overcome that hurdle and make a USA team with those deficits in hand. Even though I had trained it, not having enough training partners was kind of the problem as well. So that was the first goal is make it credible. Let me get on a USA team. Let me compete at the international level. And we did that. We actually took first and second place sport and uh, combat and sport. 
at the Pan American Games. We beat, I think, 28 other countries and um, had some real good teammates as well. Got some great training with some great coaches in the USA team for Sambo. And then once we had that credibility on lock, we knew we, we could really push it and um, really kind of go far. So that was my first goal personally. Second goal was like, okay, let's make a program to where it's viable money-wise, but at the same time, it's authentic to meaning that it is going to be mostly Sambo and proper Sambo classes, proper uniforms, proper um, uh, training, proper sparring. I think that was the biggest thing for us was getting that. The other thing is that a lot of places that I saw that did it and kind of never grew or kind of never um, really took off was that they were only offering one side of the coin. They were only offering sports Sambo, which is I, I, I love, that's what I competed in myself. Um, but combat Sambo, in my opinion, is the way to really grasp the masses. And that in kind of uh, MMA is kind of like combat Sambo. I say that because combat Sambo predates MMA. But that's what kind of you can bring in strikers. That was the biggest thing is that we weren't trying to just advertise towards grapplers, jiu-jitsu guys, judo guys, because they already had their, their great sports that they were, had years in. But we knew that if we marketed to the strikers as well that had zero grappling training and their first grappling art uh, or training was Sambo, that they would be hooked and we would have great retention. And that's where we did. We've taken in great boxers, great Taekwondo guys, um, great kickboxers, good Muay Thai guys, and then turned them into combat Sambo fighters. And where they learned grappling, they loved it, uh, like the sports Sambo side of it. They also branched into that. So our main attraction is combat Sambo. And I feel like that's going to be the real push in the USA to grow the sport of Sambo itself. Wow. You, you definitely, you put the work in, you know, built, built the reputation, got the credibility there. Uh, being that you went kind of big stage with it, right, to start with, have you attracted a lot of people? I know you said that maybe location wasn't a big factor. Have you found that you have people training from outside, like a standard driving radius, people seeking you out to come and, and get this type of high-level training based on the showing that you put on? Yeah, I think number one is that there's nowhere else. Well, Texas is also now one of the hubs of, of Sambo, A, because we do, and I guess that can be another segment um, in, a minute, in a little bit, but we do also own the, the largest Sambo tournament program uh, or platform in the country, which is the Sambo League. Uh, we also, we, we just hosted the Nationals this past April. And it was one of the biggest in uh, the past like 10 years. We had 111 competitors, which for our sport is pretty big. And we had guys flying in from several different countries to come compete. Um, and we had guys from all over the U.S. flying in for that one, Alaska, New York, all over. Um, so I think with making that the hub where all the tournaments are, uh, and then two, we also inside Texas and I think inside the US, we are the industry leader in offering the amount of days that we do Sambo classes and the amount of Sambo classes itself. We do, we offer Sambo six days a week. We offer, I think 11 to 12 Sambo classes a week, which is 
kind of unheard of. A lot of people do one or two a week and we're here doing 11, 12. Um, and again, now just adding in morning classes uh, to kind of capture a more of a morning market crowd. So yeah, it's, it's been definitely kind of uh, our strength is pushing that. All right. So you have, you have a competitive league that, that you have also. And then um, one of the other things that you've branched off into um, where while it's not necessarily direct revenue production for you, you've also started an affiliate system where you're using that to spread awareness, to spread credibility of the sport. So what was that born out of and, and how have you made that work? Yeah. So like our affiliate, we kind of had, um, you know, our, our first goal was that, you know, I've, I've competed in a lot of different sports. Um, you know, I've done amateur MMA, I've done, um, uh, kickboxing, wrestling, um, BJJ, Nogi, um, Sambo, of course, but other type of events like that in some at smaller leagues, some a little bit bigger, but the, the main draw is that the international competition that I had with Team USA, to be honest, was one of the um, and most inspiring that I've ever had. And I think that internationally wise, I think, I think a lot of competitors really don't understand that yet. And they just compete local or inside the U.S. But really getting that international competition to spending a week in a different country, training with the best guys, fighting the best guys on this side of the hemisphere, and then two, just having a great experience in a different country, doing what you love, was really what kind of pushed me into that. And, you know, I got to give credit to Coach Bob Clark and Mikel Kaczynski. Uh, they are my USA coaches. But they also gave me the shot uh, after I did one of, like, the uh, nationals, and I had a great showing there. Um, they gave me the shot to go international and kind of see a different world. And I think that that is kind of what we wanted to kind of show as well, that, hey, you can start an affiliate. You can make money. Uh, we're, we're doing it right now. So you, you can't say that it's not possible. And then two, it's just showing you like, if you take these steps, you could get to that level. But the, the alluring factor is that, you know, you could go and have your guys and sell to your guys. Do you want to be an international competitor? And that's some, that, that is some kind of like a uh, highly magnetic pull for a lot of competitors that want to compete. So, the affiliate part of it was that we wanted to really offer an opportunity to guys that may not have a level of training in their area. I am fortunate that I was able to compete and trained um, flying out to different states. But at the same time, with our tournament and our budget, we spent a lot of money. But uh, at the same time, was worth it is that uh, I fly in some of the best training and the best trainers for the USA coaches and top USA athletes into uh, our Metroplex. I fly, you know, we've also flown in world champions to our Metroplex to kind of really give us a good understanding of what we should be teaching, what the program needs to kind of look like. And we do that every year, almost twice a year. So I know a lot of people can't do that. So at the same time, it's like, hey, if you're an affiliate of ours, we'll help you with marketing, we'll help you with branding, we'll help you with free curriculum, everything's free. But again, trying to really help brand them and really help uh, give them the support that we didn't have starting out. And I think, number one, my background professionally is I'm a senior level uh, graphic designer and a web designer. So I kind of have that niche already in my pocket where other folks have to pay. 
And I think that was really big into like us taking over like the market. But at the same time, I offer that free for them. So if they don't have a logo, they're just some guy starting out. I said, look, we'll do Sambo, Texas, uh, West Oak Cliff, Sambo, Texas, um, Omaha, something like that. And we help them with that startup package. They have the curriculum, they have the support, we have the tournaments. And it just, all they have to do is put the time in to try to inspire other people for the sport. And that in turn helps grow and helps everything else turn. Absolutely. Yeah. You're really, rather than just looking at short-term cash possibilities, you're laying the foundation, helping everybody, you know, build this credibility, build the influence and exposure of the sport. And, you know, the, the old saying is right. The a rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. So you all can grow together, benefit, get this exposure and work together for something that you're passionate about, but not, you know, ultimately not have to do it for free or lose money to build teams, to build schools and make it, make it a viable option for, for people to earn a living with too. Definitely. All right. So we've covered your affiliate program. We've talked about your competition We've talked about combat Sambo, sports Sambo, but you still have more up your sleeve. You also have Sambo fitness and a kid's program you're starting. So give us a little bit of the the how and whys behind those aspects. Yeah, I think we, uh, I think one of the things that I've uh, listened to on your show as well, that's really inspiring and really helpful for other, um, you know, coaches or program leaders is that, you know, we do offer membership rates monthly. We do no contracts uh, just because we deal with fighters and we want to be upfront and transparent. We do uh, do drop-in rates. Uh, right now, our rates are 150 for the memberships. Um, no, uh, no contracts of any kind, really. Uh, only thing that we do is, okay, if you're on our uh, service, um, you know, you save a little bit as far as like being like your card on file. If you're paying just uh, month to month. And again, it's only a $10 difference. doesn't really matter for us on that part. And then we do drop-in rates. If somebody just visiting from out of town, they want to just stay in for a day or two, it's just $25 a day. And that's a very good bargain. But at the same time, it's enough to where if you're trying to do that four or five times a month, it's not really um, economical. You might as well just get a membership. And then two, we also do uh, private lesson rates. And we keep it real simple because a lot of our guys are guys that are fighters. Some of them are different coaches coming in that want to try to see what Sambo is about or maybe get some uh, aspects of what Sambo is that could help their school or game. And we do $75 an hour. If they book three or more sessions, it's $50 an hour, depending on what they do, but it is up front. And then with the kids, it's the same price. We're starting out that as well. But the fitness thing is kind of – Again, you don't want to leave markets untapped. And this is why we are pushing into the kids market now as well. Um, but for the fitness thing, it's like we need to make something that is Sambo oriented. We don't want to have uh, kickboxing fitness for Sambo. It's like, well, then we're just kind of pushing kickboxing. We don't want to have like uh, jujitsu fit. So we wanted to kind of make something that was for Sambo that would, number one, help with the uh, SEO, bringing in people that want to do fitness, but also help grow the gym and uh that's pretty simple we have a gym uh 
fitness for there. And we kind of have this structured around what it takes to kind of get somebody to a fighter level. I think people see fighters and they're fit or they have a gas tank, they never get tired. And people want that, you know, even if they don't want to get punched in the face, they still want to kind of um, learn how to get there and see that. So we offer it in a stage uh, platform for there. We call the first part the forge. And that's just kind of taking an ordinary person, getting them into enough shape to where they can, you know, uh, hang in the classes or they're just at that level. And again, that same level also for our competitors is no different how we teach them, how we teach our guys that are just want to do fitness only, you know, and I think that's kind of uh, camaraderie at the same time. They're, they're doing the same workouts that the fit, uh, that the MMA guys, I'm sorry, that the Sambo guys are doing but they're getting to that level and they can kind of, so once at a certain point, they can jump off and hop into the regular classes. So it, it's kind of a feeder program as well, but also it does have standalone points on itself, but the kids market as well as I think there's not enough kid programs ensemble. Uh, there are a few good ones out there. Um, and again, I mean, kids ensemble programs that they are just teaching kids ensemble. We did try and you know, there's no playbook for what we're doing. So we are going to make mistakes but the key thing is to keep pushing and learning. The more data you have, the better adjustments you can make, you know, in a positive favor. And that's kind of the thing with it is number one, we, um, we're really trying to say, how can we make a really, really good program for kids to compete with the monster BJJ programs that are in the area, um, the monster boxing programs that are in the area. And the key thing is that at the moment, most kids have to either go to BJJ school, pay a membership, and the parents have to take them also to a striking gym. A lot of these sports kind of segregate themselves and they want to do it one way. But for combat ensemble, that's again part of our niche is that we teach kids combat ensemble. And we don't let them spar it until they're better. And even that is very controlled and um, protected. But we they learn number one, tumbling in kids class. They learn fitness as well, but they also learn grappling, um, clinching and striking drills. So again, they're learning the exact same thing just on a uh, more step-by-step -step process for the kids. And I think the parents being able to pay one price and having their kid well-rounded really makes our program beneficial and therefore uh, helps bring in revenue for the, for the school. Man, some some very well thought out, fleshed out ideas that you have there. You have a lot of things going on, but I have to ask still, do you have anything else in the works? Is there anything else that you have that you want to add on to this besides, you know, just growing exposure in, in the credibility of the sport? Do you have any other programs that you're going to start or, or anything else uh, left to do? Or are you doing it all already? I feel like we're doing it all already now with the morning classes is, is a big thing because that was a market that we honestly just didn't have the time to do it when I was working a uh, day job plus this. Now that I'm doing this, I am doing privates in the morning. Um, so it's kind of tough. And I think allocating, you, you can't do it all yourself is, is the main message here is that you have to have a good squad, a good team that, Number one, you have to inspire. You just can't have clients because if you have clients, if you get hurt, your business goes down. 
you know, we want to have a good team to where I can take a month off and the team can have it be sustained with really no, no real effect if I'm out of the picture. But at the same time, it's like, if I want to add programs, it takes resources, it takes money, it takes uh, manpower. So, you know, uh, inspiring those guys from within to teach and at the same time, whenever they do teach morning classes or they're teaching a class, I, I do coach them on how to coach um, our program. And that just kind of gives them like another le level of, of education in the business. So where they want to go ahead and branch out, you know, I'm all for their, for them and I want them to make money. So I think that's inspiring for them. That's just kind of like the BJJ guys did. It's like, Hey, if you stick with us, you can kind of grow and then have your own gym and then this can be or your, like your own program, whatever, this can be your own um, uh, personal business and you can actually live off this. Um, and we kind of help them with that as well. Uh, and the kids classes, uh, I'll be honest, the, the, the kids class, we're still formulating that because uh, I do have two small kids myself. I have one seven and uh, one that's four months to girl, uh, Ace and Ariel. So, you know, we're still trying to make it as uh, the the program as best as possible. And we've been really doing that for the past year. So all our students and parents with that, I do appreciate them staying with us. And they do see the growth and they do see the the added benefit that we're adding into the programs. I think one thing that we did change is that we do offer now, which was honestly the, it is a nightmare in the industry for us. It's gear, allocating gear for students is a nightmare in the sport, um, especially with like COVID and um, dealing with international companies. There's no really companies in the U.S. that manufacture any of this stuff. It's all going to be Pakistan or any of those other countries that do gym wear. So sometimes, like I said, you know, we lost money just because the plant shut down or they had no workers and there's really no way to keep them accountable. So we lost money that way. You know, I had to pay back stuff as well for people because I want to, you know, stay in good standing with people. So it's, it's been a nightmare, but what we have started doing is starting to, we find a good company that we work with now and we offering, okay, Hey, uh, you get free uniform, which I don't think anybody else does. And you get a free month of training, which in reality, they're just paying for their uniform. We take a hit on the margin a little bit, but throughout the rest of the months, we make up that margin. Um, but that way the people have, uh, the students have their gear up front. They get jacket, um, jacket shorts, uh, art hybrid MMA gloves, which they're just MMA gloves, but instead of being really flat, they're curved. So it helps with eye pokes and it also helps to add padding because we, we do combat ensemble. We're not doing boxing or kickboxing. So we have to train and, and most importantly spar with little gloves. So if you're using competition gloves, it's not fun to get hit with those little things. So the, the extra padding on the hybrid gloves that we uh, use um, really helps the program to grow. And I think that's the main thing for us. It's just pushing uh, better ways to make it easier to onboard students, easier uh, to onboard the youth programs and um, those type of deals. And I feel that, um, that's our next step. We do need to expand uh, pretty soon. We're almost at capacity, but finding ways to do that properly is the best way to go. Awesome, man. And I was just going to ask, you know, 
what you feel like your your biggest challenge or bottleneck to growth is right now, but uh, you may have already touched on it. Is it just size limitation? Is that your your biggest bottleneck right now is the space you're in? I wouldn't say that. I, I would say, because I mean, sometimes we we have some of the biggest classes in the in the industry. Like we'll have 40 people sometimes on the mat and where to, to the point where we have to during group training, it, it's fine. Uh, we kind of fill the space, but at the same time, it's like, um, we have to kind of, when we spar, have everybody just go three or four at a time. And, um, uh, just cause to make it safe, uh, sparring wise. So I think, yeah, getting more space will definitely help, but I think the key to our growth is going to be the kids class because I can put for every adult, I can put two children in that same mat space. So that's going to be our biggest uh, growth factor is going to be really cracking this kids program um, for us. Because like I said, you know, as far as everything going forward, we won the national title this year. We, we took a team that, um, like I said, was kind of like the underdog, but we showed that the era of half-assing Sambo right is done you, you know you got to have full programs now because that's kind of what we showed we beat a lot of guys that our guys should not have beat and they're great competitors and we took that first place trophy so with that pushing forward that's going to help grow um really uh cracking the kids programming and kids marketing I, i'll be honest that's the biggest thing that we're kind of really trying to crack is a kids marketing because it is such a dominant market uh on the online space it's not really uh mouth to mouth or um, physical, it's gonna be really battling online for that, that uh, resources for the kids for marketing. That's gonna be like the biggest thing that we are tackling right now. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a crowded space and it's tough and there's lots of, there's lots of technical rules and things when you're, you're marketing to, to kids that, you know, it makes it a lot tougher than general adult marketing stuff but I think that's where you know hopefully your background comes into play and and helps you a little bit there and some some industry connections but it sounds like you're poised to you know do big things and I feel like you know hearing you talk that it, it hopefully won't be too long before more metropolitan areas and then secondary areas start seeing more Sambo so uh, the future is very bright and it sounds like you have a lot of years left in you doing this so I think it's uh, it's going to be an exciting time for you, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been awesome to be on your show and just kind of share knowledge. And um, the same thing, I've learned a lot just listening to some of your episodes, and uh, it's been a real treat. I appreciate that. Last thing before I let you go, if people do want to find out more, um, where should they look? You know, is it you know is the website the best resource of Sambo Texas? Social media, give us all the plugs. Anywhere they can find you find out more information, spread the word of what you're doing with Sambo. Yeah. If they're interested in training and they're in the area or they want to be an affiliate um, or they want to compete, uh, I would say go to uh, SamboTexas.com or if they're interested in just, just competing or finding more tournaments in the area, definitely look out for uh, the Sambo league. We're the, we're the biggest in the USA. We put on the most tournaments and the biggest turnouts. Um, and then if they're just an enthusiast and they just kind of want to get interested into Sambo, they don't really want to compete or they're nowhere in the area, definitely check out our media platform, Sambo Nation. 
uh, group on uh, Facebook. Uh, we have uh, close to 8,500 members on there as well. Wow. And uh, that, that's part of our other three-prong attack is uh, really growing a Sambo-focused media. We show highlights, we show cool clips, awards, uh, video clips on there, just like your average enthusiast uh, for Sambo. So if you're interested in that, check out Sambo Nation. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure having you. I appreciate you take, taking some time to be with us today and I wish you continued success and I love seeing what you're doing with a really cool sport that I think is uh, underappreciated, but up and coming. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. It's been awesome and appreciate your platform. Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone out there listening, we hope you enjoyed listening to Julian. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend some of it with us. Hopefully you've gotten some value, inspiration, education out of this episode. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you new episodes drop to everyone out there in Jim Ward's nation. Keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Ward's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Wards Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Montero. Today we are joined by Paul Kenny from Matt Training in Downington, Pennsylvania. Paul, what's up, man? Hey, how we doing? Doing good, brother. Appreciate you joining me today. I know you told me you've uh, been pretty much coaching all morning, which, which is uh, awesome, yet draining at the same time. So I appreciate you taking some time today, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I think in this field, you got to have that kind of energy, right? Day long. After, yeah. Yep, a little caffeine, a little uh, consistency, a little uh, commitment, right? goes a long way. So uh, let's dive in, man. So Matt Training, you guys have been open, what, like six years, right? I didn't even ask you before. Six years. Yeah, cool. it's, it's about seven years now. Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. Congrats on that, especially after the past couple of years. Obviously, tough time for our industry. So let's go back in time, man. Six, seven years ago, when you first started the business, Paul, what was your goal from a business sense uh, to get involved in this and, and start on this path of entrepreneurship within the fitness space. Yeah. So, uh, I met my partner, Chris Marino at the time, and, uh, he had a gym that was, you know, about 200 plus adult clients and about six athletes. And, you know, my whole life I've been an athlete and I always thought training pertained to just athletes. And, you know, when we put our heads together, 
my goal in this was to create a program that athletes could go through, you know, reduce the risk of injuries, improve their performance and build confidence within themselves, you know, in a team setting or, you know, whether it's, you know, track or swimming, it could be individual. But I go, I always date it back to when I was a senior in high school and I tore my knee apart playing backyard football with a bunch of buddies. And, you know, it was about a month before hockey nationals. Uh, I was already committed to playing college and there goes the ACL, MCL, meniscus, everything. So it got me interested in why did I get hurt and why did this happen? And, you know, I had a, a lot of time to dwell on it without playing sports. So I went to the physical therapy route and I learned that I didn't want athletes who were already hurt. You know, I wanted to get to a point where I was helping athletes not end up in PT. So I quickly shifted my major from advanced physical therapy route to exercise science and more of a strength and conditioning. So when I, I was actually up in university, up at university of Rhode Island, but I came back to Pennsylvania, my hometown, and I wanted to open a gym that offered that, you know, our goal is to get faster, get stronger, you know, make you better on the field. But our approach has a little bit, you know, you could say more physical, you know, physical therapy esque nature to it. We're doing customized program that'll help these athletes understand why they're doing what they're doing and why they're staying healthy and getting better. So the culture that we kind of created, it just blossomed. And now here we are seven years later and, you know, close to 350 athletes. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And like sometimes like that gift of injury, I'm sure you've seen the book or heard that kind of theory is, uh, is so true, especially in our industry. So yeah, really cool story, man. And to do it in your hometown, even cooler, right? So let's dive into that, man. The physical location you guys have there at MAP Training. Talk us through your thought process as to why you picked the space that you're in. Yeah, so in this area just outside of Philadelphia and downtown, it's it's kind of a newly grown hub of athletics. So when I was growing up, you know, the area itself, we got good, you know, hockey players, baseball players, uh, some lacrosse athletes, but we never produced – you know, great sports athletes to division one colleges at high levels. And now we're starting to see in this area, you know, in Potsdam, which is maybe 45 minutes away, that's where the number one recruitment of field hockey is for athletes in the United States. And they yeah. produce girls at division one level nonstop. And now yeah. lacrosse and baseball is starting to kick up here too. So when I came back home, in Downingtown, we're kind of what's central to these eight different high schools that are all local to here, and we're accessible to them. Whereas when I grew up, I used to train out in Pittman, New Jersey under Kevin Neald, and it was an hour 20 drive, but he was the hockey guy to go to. You know, he was the sports specific, even though I hate that word. He was that guy that you wanted to see if you were a hockey player. So I always wanted to provide that here because I never thought we had that. There were some good coaches in the area. I know Jim Ferris is up the road, but we didn't have a team facility that we could all go to and, you know, knowledge base of every sport. So when we planted down here, it was perfect for us. Yeah. Awesome, man. So very cool. Now, how, how big is your space right now? Square footage wise, what are we looking at? Uh, it's about 6,000 square feet inside. We have about 2000 of office spaces. Nice. That's cool. And then as far as where the, where the gym is, Guys, when you picked that physical space, was there like thoughts behind as fits our model or like it's near a highway or like uh, near schools or what was like in your mindset from that side of things when you picked this actual space? Because gyms, we need like, sometimes we want garage doors, high ceilings, parking. We need so many things, which is unique to this industry. So from that side of things, why this actual space that you're in? Yeah, it's funny you brought that up though. So when I met my partner, Chris, he was in a probably eight foot high ceiling carpet floor 
right. um, looked like somebody's living room kind of gym. And when I walked in, I was like, what did I just get myself into for that right. interview? And he kind of pulled me aside. He's like, let me paint you a picture. And he painted the picture of the, you know, 20 foot ceilings, 40 to 50 yards of turf, all rubber floor with all the, you know, rogue racks and everything. So his painting of that picture might've kept me around for that second interview because that's essential for me. I mean, you might get it from me now. I'm a loud, energetic person. You know, I move a lot. I talk a lot. I educate a lot. And I couldn't do it in that small kind of closet-esque formation we had. So when we saw this place, although it needed work, um, you know, building some walls, putting some flooring down, actually filling in some concrete holes. It's an industrial building um, and actually used to be a textile company that left in the middle of the night. So when we got here, we had to do a lot of work to it, but we both saw it right when we walked in. Awesome. Yeah. You guys saw that vision, that foundation was there for the kind of model you guys run, so, which is beautiful, man. So, Paul, we know why you started this thing, your goal, how that whole story formulated. Let's dive into like how you run this thing, right? how we've gotten 350 plus members so far, which is awesome, man. So uh, we know the model is training athletes, right, in that group format. Talk to us about how you've gone about marketing and branding your business over the course of these seven, eight years. Yeah, so it, it kind of started from day one. Actually, day one, when I got in there, there was 12 athletes. And, you know, I'll call it six athletes and six kids of parents who worked out there. And I knew from the forefront, I needed to build the culture from within to attract the athletes from the outside. So I actually removed six athletes from the program and my partner now, my boss, then Chris goes, you know, congratulations, you've already lost half your clientele. Um, but I basically said, you know, I need to build a structure, which is arriving on time, doing proper warmups, you know, having everybody buy into the system that what we're teaching, what we're doing. So I went out to all these local high schools I used to play at. I knew a few former uh, teammates that were coaches and I watched the games and slowly and steadily as athletes were, you know, signing up for an assessment, I actually, you know, found a few niche sports like volleyball, soccer, and field hockey, where the coaches were like, Hey, can I send you four girls? These girls are, are good. They're just not there yet. You know, they're not of that caliber yet. They have to get ready for varsity. And basically I just took it and these girls came through training and they got faster. They got stronger. They did awesome. But what's the most important thing is they bought into the culture and I didn't do a ton of marketing other than going to their games. My biggest thing is, if you put in an hour time, you know, twice or three times a week with me, I can go watch one of your games during the week. So I would go to their sporting events. I go watch their games and they saw me there. And that basically sold everything else. When they saw me there, it was kind of like, man, he's really investing in me. So they invested right back. And my wife had to tell me probably a year later that you do marketing, even though you don't think you market it's grassroots marketing is what you're doing. But I had no clue, you know, we didn't have work shirts. I was just there to watch the athletes and a few of the athletes were like, Hey mom, dad, did you see Paul was here? And you know, they kind of, it just, it, it snowballed. Then a few teams wanted me to come out and now I'm doing team training at a, you know, at a turf field and then other people are starting to see it. So it just kind of snowballed in a good way where I think it was more that relationship building with the athletes that helped sell the company and get more athletes in the door. Yeah, man. A thousand percent. And uh, yeah, definitely guerrilla marketing, but growing relationships, big part of what we do and a big part of, uh, you know, marketing within this kind of service-based industry that, that we're in with, uh, with you training college athletes, youth athletes, high school are using social media at all to kind of target them, to market towards them, whether it's paid or organic. Yes. And we've done it more so in the last year than I ever have. So I used Instagram probably four years ago 
to educate my current athletes on specific exercises and kind of what it was training. Because when you're on the floor and you have an hour and there's 10 athletes and there's, you know, you and one of the coach, you're doing mostly coaching. You can educate, but I wanted to explain it a little deeper. So I actually use my platform first off to educate on why this exercise helps with injury prevention, why this helps with max velocity, why this helps with ankle stability. And my athletes would tune in and say, I love that video and I know why I'm doing it now. Right. More recently in probably the last, I'll say six months specifically, <clears throat> one of my coaches has taken over the social media and she's doing more of videoing a session or a training session and doing stories. Now you're probably talking to the worst social media person in the world. I'm like, I have no idea what a story is. What do you mean you can tag them? But the kids get to see inside the facility now. So no longer is it scary for them to sign up for an assessment where they were kind of worried about going to a place they've never been. They've seen the inside of the building day in and day out. So they're not as, you know, intimidated and they're telling their parents now, I want to try this place out. Whereas before, the parents were kind of saying, hey, come here, let's try this. So I think the social media has been kind of a game changer where it lets them look in like a sneak peek of yeah. what you do. And it makes the place a little less intimidating because another athlete they know goes there and they don't know what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, yeah, it gives us a nice look inside the gym, what's going on. Uh, obviously, that age group is you know all over social media all day long. So it's, uh, again, just a good good lead generator for us, good way to educate, which is awesome, share stories, share reels, all that good stuff. Now, Paul, say I see, I see somebody work out in the gym, I come in, what is that initial offer or initial experience like for that new athlete? Yeah, so if a new athlete walks in, we start everything off with an evaluation. So if they come in and they just pop their head in, um, which we actually don't get a ton of, we don't get a ton of walk-ins because we're outside of town, you don't accidentally, accidentally end up here. But the first session is an evaluation so that that athlete knows I'm working one-on-one -on -one with them. You know, I'm doing a movement screen, some kind of, you know, athletic assessment, checking out their vertical, jotting some notes down, but it gives them a chance to watch a session while they're doing an assessment. So they get an idea of what it's like. So they walk in, they do an assessment with me. It takes about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. They get to kind of peek in and see what a session looks like. And then we separate out to my office and we can just have a side conversation. And it's not overwhelming. You know, it's not them hopping into a group and just getting blasted with exercise, exercise, right. talk, talk, talk. They get a chance to kind of digest it and then come back later and start, but they have an idea of what they're stepping into. Okay. Yeah, very cool. So initial sessions there. Now, do you charge for that or is that a free, we'll say giveaway to get started? It's yeah, the evaluation is gifted from me to the athlete. Okay, cool. And have you guys have always done it that way? Yeah, my, my whole theory of the approach was, I wanna help, and this is probably my downfall too, but I wanna help as many athletes as I can. Sure. And sure. I want them to know what's out there. So even if an athlete, is training at another facility or has never trained, trained before. I want them to be able to come in and experience it without having to pay out of pocket because I always end my evaluation the same way. I tell them nothing gets signed here today. Go home, talk to your parents, talk to your friends who come here, make sure this is the right place for you. And the reason that's important to me is it kind of gives them an opportunity to go home and think it over because if an athlete signs up and they don't really want to be there you already just deducted one point from your culture and if you keep going that route you're not going to have a good culture from within anymore so athletes you know i keep i'm the nerd that keeps my you know 
my rate of conversion, but athletes that come through my door have a 99.2% in the last two years of converting, which is not getting two athletes over like, I think it's like 206, but it gives them a chance. And also it lets every other athlete know that signs up, man, nobody's like has to be here. They choose to come back. Okay. Yeah. I like that, man. Yeah. Awesome. You have those numbers, which is key. I think we, we, we track our squat, we track our 400 meter time, that number for a business is so important. So that's, that was going to be my next question. So yeah, culture is key to you. You guys want to grow a culture in there at map uh, of people that want to be there, which is, you know, great. Again, brand builder lead generator for us. Now in the athletic training world, you know, there's some seasonality to it. Normally, what is that part of the business like for you guys? Are there, are there busy seasons, low seasons? How does that all look? Yeah, we are very busy in the summer and the winter. And I think it stems from a lot of what we teach. We get a lot of field sport athletes. So in the summer, we'll get our college and a few of our pro guys and girls back. So that definitely does, you know, raise the income and the financial sides of things gives us a little bit more to play with but you have to realize when you know athletes go in season they're not going to train three times a week they might down it to one or even at a younger age stop so you have to almost prepare your business for the ups and the downs so we have to look at it in a totality um, but we do go month to month with our uh, packages so we're not doing any kind of three-month packages or locking people in because what we try to teach the athletes is two things it's consistency is king and reducing the risk of injury revolves around continually training, even if it's only once a week to maintain the strength. But as a business side of things, you have to understand that in that fall season, you might have three athletes in back-to-back groups and you have four coaches. So how do you divvy up your time? Okay. Now we can go to the soccer game up the field, you know, up the street from 4 PM where we have 12 athletes playing. That is a good use of time. Or do we dive into continuing education? Or do we dive into sending our coaches to colleges or other facilities to learn more? So yeah. I always look at as the winter, we are blitzed. We are, we're packed. We're session. We actually have hit a wait list the last three years after COVID. So um, ignoring the COVID year. But we've hit a wait list the last three years ignoring COVID. And essentially, it shows that we have the most athletes in at that time. So we got to be coaching the best we can coach. And now in the summer, we are packed with the most athletes, but we have a wider range of times. We're open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. essentially. So you have to know in a way, the financial sides of things, how to save money for those low months, but also how to use money to get equipment in during those high months so that you're not paying it back at the very end of the year. Um, But also when can you get outside the building and be visible? and be in front of your athletes and your community. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. I, I like you said, kind of using those slower times for other things that will help the business in the long run, you know, from the marketing piece to the getting more educated piece, going to games, that sort of thing. I think that's obviously a great use of time. You brought up there, Paul, packaging, pricing. How did you determine that? how did you come to that uh, setup that you're using now? It was, it was a lot of pieces coming together. So of course you look in your area when I was kind of setting it up, when I walked in, they, they didn't know what they were charging the athletes. They were like, we just tell them, bring your kids and give us like 50 bucks a month kind of thing. Um, But without, you know, a structure, there's no purpose to it. So I looked at, I worked in Rhode Island for about two years. I looked at what we did there. Um, And then I looked in the nearby area of what people were charging per session kind of thing. And we, we kind of have gone based off a structure of, we set ourselves at this price, whether it's $30 a session or 35 a session. And then we build the packages back, you know, utilizing an approach of if you do two times a week, 
it's this rate. If you do three, it's a little less. If you do four, it's a little less. So kind of gives you the, you know, the want to purchase more. Um, but actually what's kind of important too is you, you set one price that's just a little out of reach of everybody. You know, yeah. our five time, we have an unlimited package that's $479 a month. There is no athlete between the age of 12 and 20 that should come into the gym more than five times a week. Right. If they choose to do that, we'll figure out a way to do it. But right. there has to be one package that's just kind of out of reach and it will make all the other packages. They realize the realistic quality of what it's getting. Your, the bang for your buck is going to come through what time you, you know, how much time you got. But as a, you know, as an owner, I'm looking at everything from how much my staff make to how much my overhead is to the cam fees to all that stuff. And I came up with a price structure that fits that, but I always have that one package that's just a little higher um, yeah. to show the, because everyone always gets, I'll say the number shock. And if they buy into you and if they buy into what you're teaching, numbers don't matter, especially in an area where, you know, people are making a good amount of money. Um, yeah. And if you undervalue yourself early, it's really hard to climb out of that. So Agreed. when I came in and I created map, it was just called boot camp at the time, Marino's boot camp, And there was no real set price. I saw these kids on different and I, I set a price structure and after about two years, I raised the price because I wanted to get more equipment. I wanted to add coaches. I wanted to go do learn from guys like Eric Cressy and Boyle and all these guys in the, the field. And I explained that to the, the parents and the athletes that this price increases to provide you with better training. This price increases for your athletes to get more staff. So we're keeping our numbers. You're never going to be in the gym with 20 athletes and one coach. Right. ever here we have a one coach to six athlete ratio and it never goes beyond that so when you're doing a, a rate increase you got to be very strategic with how you place it because if you aim low you can't just keep raising it you're going to get caught in that kind of yeah. mu area of you feel like you're providing too much for what you're charging yeah 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 man i love uh i love the description paul of your reasoning behind that and it's so good man to have that one to six coach coach ratio to get better educated keep continuing education is huge and to offer kind of that higher ticket level uh, because people want what they perceive as like super out of touch, out of reach almost. So like the reasoning that you have behind that is awesome, man. So I love that. I appreciate you giving some details there. That's great. You know, I think what we do as coaches is super valuable. So I think we should charge accordingly, you know, for our services, especially if we're continuing education and, and making uh, chasing excellence, so to speak. Yeah, if I, actually, if I could dive in just one little thing. Go ahead, please. please. Uh, one, of, one of my, I'll say the most proud I am of something in this program is our college athlete program. Um, it has grown from we had two college athletes in the first two years to over 96 this wow. year. Um, wow. And it's it's giving those middle school athletes and high school athletes a glimpse of the future. So all of our middle school and high school athletes know that our college athletes, when they come back, they have about 11 weeks, 13 weeks. That's, that's how long they're home before they go back. And our college athletes, what I do is they do strength training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I rent out and purchase turf on Tuesday, Thursday. So we get their cleats on and get them competing against one another. And it's, you know, you get a kid from UNC baseball going head to head with a kid from Notre Dame baseball. Like yeah. it's lights out competition. You, oh, get yeah. field, you get field hockey from Duke and UNC. Those girls are head to head. So I think our high school and college athletes, they or high school and middle school athletes get to see the college athletes and think that's what lies ahead. That, that four time or five time a week training plan, that's what lies ahead of me. So they stick to the two and the three. And then as they get through it, they get more serious. They ramp it up. 
And that's awesome for like retention. Those kids are going to be there for potentially eight, 10 years training with you guys, uh, maybe longer, which is, which is awesome, Paul. With all this being said, man, things are going great. We've built a really great service product business here in Pennsylvania. Where do you foresee the biggest area of opportunity for you guys over the next, you know, 12, 18 months? Over the next 12 to 18 months, I think it's going to be outreach to high schools. I think in Pennsylvania, the biggest downfall right now is they do not have high school strength coaches. Um, uh, it's nothing against the programs. A lot of them use like, you know, Greg Shepard's Bigger, Faster, Stronger. So they have organization. But I think there is a thing I saw in Rhode Island and a thing you'll see in Texas or down south where there's high school strength coaches getting paid like 80 grand a year. And the reason is, is because they know that this is going to take their, not just athletes, but their school to the next level of offering something. So my plan is I'm doing a lot of team training, at, you know, speed training on turf prior to practices for local high schools and doing travel clubs, like, you know, speed training, stuff like that for the, you know, baseball players, but we haven't gotten into the high school weight room yet. And that's the number one door I want to kick down. That's the thing that I think is holding back a lot of this area is because, People have an ego problem when it comes to training. Whereas I talk to a lot of physical therapists, chiropractors, ATCs, and they all agree. They want to create a team to go into high school so that these kids have a PT on staff, have a strength coach, have an athletic trainer, and it's not being run by the football assistant coach whose kid plays on the team. And there's one coach to 56 athletes. There's a lot of danger that's being associated with those weight rooms that it scares athletes from coming in our door and it's it's a lack of care of a product you guys want to produce great athletes but you're trying to wear six different hats and you know i think that's the one again like i said that's the one door i want to kick down i want to get into these schools and help as many athletes as i can yeah i think that's awesome man i think that's yeah a big opportunity and there's a, a big challenge in there too like you know we've all seen it like the, the high school assistant football coach that have kids doing 10 by 10 back squat three times a week and you see awful form you know yeah, it gives it a bad name. So yeah, to tackle that opportunity challenge, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. And Paul, this is a beautiful man. I think a perfect place to wrap up this episode. Where can listeners check you guys out? Website, social media, where can we find you and follow along with your guys' story? Yeah, I think the best place is probably Instagram. Um, it's Marino's Athletic Performance on Instagram. Um, mine is Paul Kenny perf underscore performance. So if you check out those social medias right there and, you know, you can send a DM. I, I also have an email that can be reached. It's paulkenny.stc at gmail.com. Um, I answer all emails, uh, even if it takes me all night with uh, three kids at home, a four-year-old, two-year-old, and 10-month-old. But, you know... I want to be a, a useful source of information for whoever is trying to learn and trying to improve. Paul, I love it, man. Appreciate you for coming on. Thank you so much. We wish you continued success. Hey, Austin. Thanks for having me. Got it, brother. Listeners, we appreciate you guys as well. Please hit like and subscribe to be notified for future episodes. And until next time, Jim Lords, we are out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.